Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks. Ladies and gentlemen, last time on Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, Carlton and Travancore visit a local pub, spread some good cheer, and hear a bit more about the MacArthur family. Jonathan and Bernie buy medical and credenza supplies and find out a lot more about the Passerac family. Then they show the ladies of the Eagle Shields their own pocket house. Later at dinner, they ask Mouser for some details on the Passeracs and discuss various options for what to do next. And then have pie. And that's where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, aka Obo Crazy. And normally I don't buy alcohol on sale. Not usually, because it makes me nervous. But Jack Daniel's Winter Jack was on sale. And so I have this giant bottle. And for those who don't know, the Winter Jack, <laughs> it's apple cider liqueur and Tennessee, uh, Jack Daniel's Tennessee whiskey. Oh my god. They say just heat it up and drink. So I have a giant mug <laughs> that's amazing. just warmed up, and it's it's pretty good. It's definitely better warm than it is cold, and I do also have some water because, oh my god, it's Jack Daniels, and it's, it is not cider. It's cider liqueur. It's a little strong. Carlton, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, well, I had a guest the other day, our friend Dom, uh, and he bought us some cranberry, uh, cranberry moonshine, and I opened mm. it up, and I'm like, Oh my god, that smells like regret. And then I took a sip, and I'm like, oh my god, that tastes like regret. <laughs> so I'm drinking Lagunita Sucks, uh, their winter uh, seasonal ale that he also gave us, because moonshine is a whole lot of regret. <laughs> Especially cranberry. Travancore, what are you drinking tonight? Hello, enablers. The Viceroy's choice this evening is Heritage Distilling Company's Dual Barrel Collection Rye Whiskey. And I put a little bit of San Pellegrino in there. Uh, it's kind of flat, though, because it's an older bottle of San Pellegrino. So, effectively, it's decarbonated carbonated water. And rye whiskey. And and all of the whiskeys. The whiskey. Whiskey. Sorry. Whiskey. And Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play the folk hero, Jonathan the Magimuscular. <laughs> And tonight I am drinking a concoction of my own design, although it has been inspired by people I will name in just a moment. It is silk eggnog, so fake eggnog, whipped cream vodka, caramel vodka, and a bit of cognac. And I had I had trouble naming this, so because I since it's silk eggnog, I wanted to pay tribute to Westworld since it ended a few weeks ago, and they're fake people. That was awesome. So I went and and went to our friend of the show Izzy, and she she suggested this name, Cold Storage. Mm. I like that. That's a good name. I was expecting I it to be Cuba something. It's fake eggnog and and other things. And to further celebrate uh, the inspiration, I am drinking it in the Pinkie Pie mug she gave me a few years ago. So Aww. that's Aww. adorable. It's 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 very pink and it's very boozy. Oh my god! This knocked me on my ass on Friday night when I tried to take some of the rooster t kids through. A, well, not take them, but play with them. We did Vault of Glass hard, and I was super drunk. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, remember, kids, don't vault of glass and drink. And Bernie, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking Harvard Brewery's uh, Belgian Oatmeal Ale. So it's usually an oatmeal stout, and this is an oatmeal ale, and it's really, really good. And I'm painting my mm. nails this really pretty sparkly burgundy color for the holidays. It's going to be super interesting when you have to get into a fight and you're like, guys, I can't fight right now. I'm still drying my nails. No, it's going to be fine. I do this all the time. Sometimes I just don't tell you guys. <laughs> Surprise. Thanks. It's the joy of, of Skyping our DMD I just imagine games. Bernie her, holding her mace with those little like fingernail sep- or finger separators like, as they're drying. Hold on. Let me heal you. <laughs> like, just wave my hand around and be like, okay, that's a spell. So as I said in my little recap, the last time we were together, you guys had just finished a dinner and dessert with the Eagle Shields and had done a bunch of talking about what you might do the next day. Was there anything else you wanted to do tonight before you headed to bed? Uh, as we head to bed, I kind of huddle people up and I, I suggest, you know, I've been thinking over this time at dinner. During our food coma. This extended pie break. This extended pie break. Before we do anything else tomorrow, let's go visit the Tufts. Let's see what they... I, I don't remember if that was the plan or not, even though we just talked about it. But like, if we had like solidly decided on it. But let's go talk to them, and then let's see what they say. And maybe maybe we don't have to send uh, Travancore and Bucks into into super dangerous scouting territory. We still might. We still might want to do that somehow. But... Uh, let's see what he has to tell us first and see and and go from there. Yes, I'm agreeing to that. that. And it's not because it's the only plan I remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, that's certainly not the case. Three times the size of Bernie's stomach. So she's just like, yeah, sure. That's what we agreed on. <laughs> she's like, Fuck. She, <laughs> she's a little she's, pie she's drunk. A little pie she's going to take a big poop and go to bed. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fun evening. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab some of my gold, uh, hundred gold, and I'm gonna go over to Kara and say, "Hey, uh, while we're off uh, talking to people tomorrow, uh, would you mind going into town and buying uh, some supplies for our house?" And I ask her to get like stuff, basically, so we can create a little garden. So like a planter box, soil, various vegetable seeds. I figured we could put our modrons to work. And you hand her the gold, and she looks at it and says, well, oh, okay, I can see what I can do. Most of the planter boxes that I can buy are going to be for flowers and things. Well, I mean, you could just get the wood, and then we could put soil, and we can make the planter kind boxes. Kind like we made such a great credence. Okay, I, I... And then I say, if if there's any money left over, get a little nice little hat for the, po- the one-eyed one. <laughs> a little hat that rolls down. <laughs> She smiles and says, "I'll see if I can I'll see if I can get three hats, one one for each of them, because they they were kind of cute. Um, what size? How? So, am I just getting wood and and bringing you some soil? Is that all you really want? Uh, wood, soil, f- uh, some seeds. I figured, you know, those we- nice little rocks that you have to put in the bottom to make sure the stuff drains. Well, we like the th- the ground of the the pocket house is like rock, so I figured we're already set there." As far as you remember, Carlton, it's like a giant slab of rock. It's not loose rock. So if you wanted to use that, you would need to pickaxe it. You also don't seem to remember a lot of free space outside of the house. There's basically a, a little bit of area around the sides and the back. But... I recall the largest space and describe that to fill that space with a garden. Okay. It's not huge, but she nods and says, oh, well, this should be 
plenty. I'll I'll go ahead and and bring this stuff back. Is your your thing upstairs? Is that should I just bring it there? Uh, you could just leave it in the barn. I'll grab it because it, it'll probably go away by the time we come back. Okay, I can I can do that for you tomorrow. Sure. Much appreciated. And she heads off to bed. Anything else you guys would like to do? Well, Bernie's gonna poop and go to sleep. So no, I don't need you to roll for that. Great. You oh, guys- so I gotta roll poop <laughs> checks, but not anybody else. Only, only in specific. Yeah, that's because Bernie doesn't shove random objects up her butt. Her poops occur naturally because she ate something. I want to have. It's called homeostasis, my friend. Um, I'm going to be like, guys, I'll be up in a second. And I let everyone else go upstairs. And I sit down on the stairs. And I, and I, I'm like, hey, Bucks, uh, let me talk to you for a second. And so I hold out my hand so I can face Bucks. And I, I ask him, Bucks, I, I, heavens forbid that this happens to you. But I feel like we're, uh, we're at a point where I have some questions about you. I know that I summoned you with a spell, but honestly, I don't know a whole lot about you. And with you taking on a lot of risks lately, you scouting with Carlton and then you potentially scouting with, uh, with Travancore, what happens to you if you die? Bucks doesn't speak. As you know, he kind of just... Right, right. I'm you feel thinking- his emotions. You Yeah. And he... What you get from home, from him is a little wistful, maybe a little sad, but he and it you get the sense he goes back to where he came from. And if I were to cast the spell again, would I get you or would I get would I get someone else from where you're from? I'm I'm just taking a quick look at the spell. Yeah, it's it's kind of vague. Yeah. There, were, there, there have been discussions about the nature of familiars. Because up until now, Jonathan the Magimuscular has sort of believed that, that indeed, as an extraplanar creature, he would probably go back to where he's from. But he doesn't, he's unsure that if he casts the spell again, if he would get back the same energy that was pulled, Bucks, or if it would be Bucks and a little bit of something else, so about half and half, or it wouldn't be Bucks at all. And that's what he's worried about. He has grown attached to, to Bucks, and he like if Bucks were to die, he would probably summon another familiar. But he would rather know if the familiar he's going to be getting is Bucks or if it's something else. Bucks thinks about it for a second. The first feeling you get is confusion, and then the second feeling you get is uncertainty. And then finally, it it settles a bit on a hopeful optimism. And you feel like circumstances might dictate what happens if he were to die and go back to his plane of existence, that when and where and what you summon might have an effect on who you get. So if I, and I'm just kind of thinking this through, so if, and I'm not, buddy, I'm not going to do this, but if I were to send you into a suicide mission that you didn't care about, but you have to go on because I ask you, if I were to call, essentially call the celestial realm again and ask for familiar, you're probably going to decline that call. 
However, if I am good to you and we continue to bond, as I feel we have, and I kind of wait for, as a hopeful beat to see to see if he's feels the same way. <laughs> you get a, yeah, you're kind of cool. <laughs> so I, I say, but if, like I said, if we continue to be pals, then if I were to call, there's a better chance that you would answer is sort of the impression I'm getting. I'm actually tearing up here. Sorry. Um, it's okay. He he seems to agree with this. And definitely, as you kind of go through these these two options, yeah, definitely, if if you had been mistreating him, then there's no way he, he'd be coming back to you. But you do get the sense that it might be something he doesn't have a choice in. He's not sure. And that, yeah, in the end, what it may, what may determine who you get back includes timing, may include, because you can do things like you can, you can summon from a different plane of existence. And of course, he wouldn't come if that's the case. If you decided to choose a different form, you feel like he might not be the one you get, although you're unsure and he's unsure. Uh, you can summon him and then ask him to change his form and it would still be him. And it, it might depend on how long it takes you to re-summon him. He might or might not have a choice. But he does, like, he's been sitting on your hand this whole time as you've been having this semi-verbal, semi-not-verbal conversation. And as, you know, this, hey, I'll try, but I, it might not be up to me, kind of settles in your stomach and it's it's a little... It's not what you were hoping for. He flies over to your shoulder and perches back over there and kind of grips your shoulder for a second. And you get the sense that he'd just like to never find out. I I would also not have to find out. And, and the reason why I bring this up is specifically because of some of the things we've been talking about. And and I realized that you you did you did Carlton a solid by going out for him. And helping him. In retrospect, you could have been petrified. And that, well, frankly, that petrifies me. Um, so if you you have a say in what happens, buddy, I know you have to obey my commands. But if you don't feel like like going out and and scouting out a creepy ass mansion is a good idea, please let me know. And, and cause you definitely factor into this as much as, uh, as much as any of those other jerks. <laughs> and I try, I try and make the last part like a bit more lighthearted than it has been. And you, you get a picture in your head and it's of you looking super heroic. It's like, it's kind of your own image in your own head of how you feel when you've done good, how you feel when, when you've helped people and saved the town and have become a hero. And it's, it, you know, puffed up chest and looking all, all happy and important and like a folk hero, like a hero. And you notice that Bucks is there on your shoulder in this image. Also in his tiny, tiny little owl way, puffed up with his chest out looking like you know like if 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 tiny little cute pygmy owls could look haughty and and self-important he, he's kind of got that eagle-ish look to him and you you feel like as you have heard as a god pawn you are a man who moves in the world to affect change and this specific familiar that came to you is looking for the same kind of thing. Okay, then, buddy, 
I, I, I believe in you, and I think you can help. You can help keep Travancore alive, and I have no doubt that 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 Travancore will help keep you alive uh, in this. If if we go forward with that mission, and we may not, but but knowing that you have the same sense of adventure that I that I do. I I I will call on you for heroic tasks as I judge them as I judge their safety and I will I I will never put myself above you and you are my pal. Let's go to bed and tomorrow let's kick some ass. Buck seems to agree to this and you guys head off to bed. Anything else before long rest? Nope. Are, are we just sleeping there? Is that what we decided? Yeah, I think we're sleeping in the uh the Eagle Shield home. Yeah, you were offered uh, guest quarters, kind of the same that you were offered before, and then, but this time you're actually staying there because you closed down the pocket house. Baron Von Coco Snoot sleeps in my bed with me because there's enough room for two. Definitely. And he is happy to take the foot of the bed. It's not cold in the house. Obviously, the the house is nicely sealed enough and and kept warm enough, but he is uh, happy to lay on top of your feet and keep them warm. I don't think that's wise. I think there's too much dog and not enough feet. I will <laughs> lay next to him. He can do that too. Uh, by the morning, the two of you are kind of arms and paws everywhere. Travancore, there's not enough room on the bed for, for Shadow. That's fine. Shadow can sleep on the floor. He's more than happy to bear rug it out on the floor and just... <laughs> Uh, the next morning comes, you guys enjoy a long rest, you get your spells back, you get your hit points back, you get your, your all your fun stuff back, and it is the dawn of a new day. What would you like to do? I'd like to search the house for um, some post-it notes and a pen. Okay. <laughs> um, about what time are you getting up in the morning? What, you know, how time, morning time? Okay. I, I get up as soon as I smell breakfast. Yes, food time. And I'm getting up at chore time. So if you're getting up at breakfast slash food time, you're all getting up at about the same time in where it's there's barely sunshine outside. It is still kind of dark. Well, uh, but time you do, for chores. Yeah, normally I would probably sleep until the sun rises just because everyone should sleep like that. Food would wake me up. Bacon would wake me up. And you do get to bed at a reasonable hour. So if you wanted to get up when the when the the bacon is being freshly cooked, you you can all definitely do that. You all head downstairs and you see that food is being served from the kitchen. You see some other stable hands, um, most of which none of you really recognize, including you, Carlton. But you see the whole family there passing out eggs and bacon and sausage. Uh, yes, the pancakes are there. You're Yes. More than welcome to grab uh, a plate and help yourself and sit down to a hearty meal. Food is specifically set aside for all of your animal companions. Carlton, when you start talking about chores, Mouser holds up his hand and says, we've got enough people around to be able to, to help with everything. I think you probably have your own chores with your own friends you need to take care of. Yeah. We've, we can take care of the horses. Okay. Just used to, now that I'm back, gotta earn my keep, but if you say so. I think saving a giant portion of the town from becoming living statues is enough to earn your keep here, young man. They finish their meal and most of them head off to go take care of various and sundry. It's, the sun has now risen, what would you like to do? I think we gotta talk to the Tufts, don't we? Yes. Let's go. Yep. Yes. All right. 
Carlton, you know the way. So you you head on over. You kind of have to wind Follow your me, way. guys. <laughs> you kind of have to wind your way through town. It's on the opposite side of town, but their their homestead is actually fairly close to town. Uh, you get there pretty early in the morning. The house itself, Carlton, you've never been inside the main house uh, that's at the front of the property. And then way behind it is where all the, the stables and the stable hands and the, the breeders are. But you guys head towards the main house. There's a couple of guards there, uh, one or two that you see patrolling the grounds. They are much lightly, much more lightly armored than you've seen tough guards before. The last couple that you've seen came in on horseback in basically heavy armor with the whole nine yards. Like they, they were ready for a fight. This, they seem a little more relaxed, although they're just as attentive and the ones at the front gate are quick to approach, not suspiciously, but they're just professional. They come forward. One of the, the guards is quick to kind of bow at you a little bit and say, I assume that you are here to see the, 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 the master? Yes, uh, yes, yes. We, yes. We are taking him up on his invitation. Yes, the, the night commander expected you at some point, maybe today or tomorrow. It's good to see you're here. Uh, please wait here. Let me see if he is currently available. And they head back inside the house. It's maybe only a couple more minutes, uh, a couple of minutes before he comes back out and says, yes, the night commander is absolutely available and leads you inside the house and quickly off to the right. Kind of the main entranceway to the house is obviously kind of a grand meeting area. It's got marble floors and columns. It's it's a very nice house. It's got some a staircase leading off to the left and you see servants running here, there, and everywhere. You guys are led to the right to a, a smaller room with some fairly comfy chairs and a few tables. It seems to be some sort of sitting room and the, the guard asks you to take a seat and wait there for a moment and He's barely gone for 30 seconds before the night commander himself comes walking on in. He is, despite the fact that it it's still kind of early in the morning, it's maybe only taken you about 15, 20 minutes to get here after being up at the crack of dawn. Laro's Tuff is once again in full heavy armor. Um, he Hold on, what's his name? Because I wrote down Loris. No, it's not Loris. His name is Laros Tuff. Night okay. Commander Laros Tuff. He's not wearing a helmet this time, so you can all kind of see his his weathered features, his bald head. He comes in, bows deeply to you, and says, I'm glad that thou hast decided to take me up on, on my offer to speak with you. Please have a seat. Let me answer what questions I can. And he grabs one of the, the chairs nearby and offers you all seats. Thank you, my lord. Yeah, I, he, I, I sit. I sit down I and... I uh, have a question. <laughs> yes. I figured you might. Is the plural might. of thou, thou? <laughs> My archaic is rusty, but... And unused. It comes out in times of stress. But to answer your question... It's just, it's just not a pronoun I hear very often anymore. And I was just... Intellectual curiosity... Well, where I trained in the far north, it was a very formalized training. 
And oh, so it's like in Italian where it's like you're greeting someone you don't know, and so you use the like you you plural. It's more a formalized address, yes. And it's it's like it's like no, that's not right. What is the what is the singular that's also a plural, guys? Help me out here. Like, All I can think like of is my you. Yeah, you would be a singular and a plural depending on context. Yes. So in this case, yes, thee could be speaking to you specifically, or thou, and then could be unto a whole group. Like the plural of buffalo is buffalo, and it's also a verb, and I believe an adverb. It's an entire sentence if you're clever enough with it. Carlton's like, oh, exactly. geese is that way. Yes, Carlton, correct. You know, you have one geese and you have multiple geese. <laughs> yes, that's right. The The night commander sits up a little straighter and uh, you get the sense he would blush if he was a man capable of it, but his honor won't let him. And Hey, we know a stoic guy like that. Yeah. He- yes, he's bald and Russian. <laughs> the night commander says, I am not the person to be asking these questions to and unfortunately my my study of sword play and tactics far outstripped my my speech my apologies for my archaic trappings in that case how about some questions that are better suited to you none needed what can you tell us about the pastorac family you see him grimace a bit and he says that family has been a blemish on this town for quite a few years now. I know thou hast stayed with the Eagle Shield family. Has Mouser told you about the f- the first few races the Passeracks took place in? They had violent horses with with teeth, bad teeth. Yeah, disturbing beasts. I eating people. I train war horses. That is my passion, and I train men to care and ride for those horses. And there is a great difference between one of our noble beasts of burden who are willing to charge into war and a monster willing to shed blood for its own amusement. And that is what I believe the Passeracks brought to our races, and I Know not what also goes on on their homestead. They have kept mostly to themselves since banished from those races, but I I fear the day they attempt to re-enter our fray. What can you tell us about them aside from the the races? And to give you a little context, when we uh when we engaged Kyla? Kyla, yeah. Kyla, correct. Uh, Kyla, to get the uh, to get the reagents for those uh, salves, they she mentioned that pa- the Passerax had bought and provided Basculus materials for a large number of those salves, the same ones that we got. That is not. That shouldn't be a thing. You shouldn't be. Preparing for a very specific kind of monster attack. Unless that monster is like as numerous as squirrels. Right. Well, so knowing that, is there anything else you can tell us? Uh, Lord M. Cothra said something that you also knew that this was coming and that you that's why you were in the race. You also yes. said he knew something about it. 
Did you both know? Yes. Although I only had our contact and some suspicions to base my accusations on. The attack on that race was not a complete surprise. What was a surprise was the actual beast that joined the fray and the fact that it was more than just the riders that were attacked. I have connections in the the fixers. Have you heard of them? Yes. They do not mend things. No, unfortunately not. I believe their name is an ironic sense, but we find it detestable but wise to keep a contact with that group. It is expensive, but it has saved our our men and our horses multiple times. This is unfortunately in the last year not the first unfortunate incident to be had during any of the races, nonetheless just being about in town. My contact warned us that that specific race was to be attacked, but he did not tell us how it would happen, and we did not know that it was also going to affect the fair people of this town, else I would have absolutely come forward. Is it always Basilisk? This would be the first time I have ever encountered these beasts in battle. Hmm. I was told by our contact that the Amkarthras also knew that the attack was coming, but I don't know what else they might have known. And the information I get from the fixers is as reliable as any information can be from liars and thieves. So we have reasons to... I mean, if the fixers knew that there was going to be an attack... I'm wondering where they got that information. I don't, maybe they have an informant at the Passeract house. Everything seems to point there, like the demon horses that you saw, the collection of the fact that they provided the basilisk stuff, which means they killed a basilisk or, or maybe more to provide uh, Kyla with those ingredients. That and, and that and the fact that basilisks were used in this attack, that can't be a coincidence. I agree with your logic, but I see no a special reason for this specific attack. The Passeracs are, they have long grudges, but I am uncertain what might be gained. We could definitely speak to my contact and see if he knows more. The information that was provided to us was provided as part of an ongoing agreement I have with this gentleman to provide us with useful information to keep my men and my horses safe. But if you, if you would like, I can call on him. Be warned, he is sly and not cheap. We would be... I think we can help with uh, with some, if not all, of the 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 necessary cheddar to to lube that wheel. Wait a minute! Oh, you can't use cheddar you. to lube wheels. That that yeah, if it's cheese whiz, you can. <laughs> you and your strange gnomish cheeses. <laughs> I have a 165 year old cheese named Maurice. I'm saving for a special occasion. <laughs>
<laughs> Leros glances between all of you and says, he will want something more than cheese. I, I... Not, you know, I mean, he might serve, but when he meets Maurice, he'll change his mind. Until, until he meets Maurice, we, we have, we have cheddar of a different color, uh, gold, and gold that we color, would... Which, ironically... Is very close to the color of cheddar. <laughs> uh, you, at this point, like, like <laughs> Jonathan the Magic Muscular kind of glances at Bucks, and Bucks gives, gives a little. At this point, Laros nods, stands up, goes to the door that's been open, and pokes his head out and has a a soft conversation with the. There's a a, a guard standing there. He's been kind of just letting you guys have some privacy. Um, you hear him say to the guard, tell the barkeep we need an order of Hayden Red delivered as soon as possible. And he comes back inside and sits back down. And he says, when we call on him, it usually only takes a few minutes for him to come unless something very pressing is is required. So... Um, while we wait for this man, is is there anything else you were concerned about or had questions about? No. I, I, I look I'm at- I'm sure there should be. I want to know a little more about this town. How fucking big is this place? Because I have obviously either not been paying attention. <laughs> like, how many people live here? The number of people who actually live in Amphel proper is relatively small. Maybe- three, four hundred. If you count the noble houses that keep residence here, that number can swell to well over twelve, thirteen hundred, but it would be unwise to count those as residents or even full-time members. Even my own family does not stay here on a regular basis, uh, and I am often gone for more training and more time with my men to make them battle ready. We are always here to serve this town as best as possible, and I often feel like bringing my men back to Waterdeep for more extensive training will only help keep this town safe. Well, does the Tesseract family go to church? Did you just call them the Tesseract family? <laughs> <laughs> no. Your shifty eyes, my little gnomish friend. Yeah, do you see them in church often? Uh, the knight commander thinks for a moment and says, I, I do know there is only the one church in town. I believe that church is to Bahamut, officially, although... It is mostly just a place of worship in general. I myself do not pray there, but I don't believe I've seen any of those members. However, that would not be a strange thing. Most of the houses have a a chapel on their grounds for their own private worship. Do you know if the Pasract household has a chapel? And if so, who it's to? I am unsure. I do not know, but that would be a question for the the fixer that we have called upon. All right. They I say Bernie, no, write that one down. I did. I have posted. Nice. <laughs> um 
I also, I, I kind of lean in close and I say, Commander Loris. Oh, it's Laros. Laros. Even I know that now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, Laros. Commander Laros. I know, I, it, I know it is a strange accent thing. I, I, I am, and I'm I apologize. Fine. I should know better. As I as I break the fourth wall and look at the audience, <laughs> um, and uh, I say, obviously we're going to get some information from the fixer, hopefully, or uh, from from your man, and hopefully that information is good. If it isn't, obviously you, your house, and your men have a standing in this town, and that's that's excellent. That's exactly what places like this need, but. If we're to prevent potentially more lives getting lost in any future incidents, I feel like it's prudent that someone take a look at the Passerac house, find out what's going on. Since we are god pawns, apparently, we are, we are capable, we are willing, and, and this town has, has shown us kindness. So I I know you are a a bastion of of order and peace. What if a group of outsiders were to maybe stumble upon Passerac uh territory and in their stumbling and in their effort to remove themselves from the property as quickly as possible of course being that they are there in error if they were to see something untoward, would that be enough for the rest of the houses to take action against them? Laris thinks for a very long moment on your words, and he's he's kind of kept very steady eye contact as you've been speaking. He's he's got a, a an interesting gaze when he looks at you. It's almost as if he doesn't blink. He is just staring straight at you. And Paladin's gonna pally. <laughs> he's gonna. He finally sits back in his chair and breaks eye contact as you finish and thinks for a very long moment before he says, One of the reasons I have trained as hard as I have and have pushed my men and these horses to be as, as strong and as ready as they can be has been because of the lack of order and law in this town we are far far removed from water deep far enough that i sometimes worry that if there were to ever be any major conflict there would be no hope of any outside impartial intervention fortunately my house has dedicated their lives to horses that can survive such trials and thrive in with such training that being said we may be seen as the the closest to lawmakers in this town but we are toughs and you see as he he says this there is almost a hint of pride in his face he may be a man of law and order and justice, but he he still has a a pride for his house and his family. And he he says it would be foolish to assume any action taken by one house will not be colored by any of the others as 
simple greed, if not for clear evidence. While you call yourselves god pawns, the term that was used in my training was fate changers. Oh, I like that one better. That is a dangerous thing to be. There will be those who will wish to use you, both for the better and for the ill. And while right now, right now thy actions in this town have been exemplary, and none would see you as any, anything but above reproach. However, as most of this town is made up of those tied to their houses, without even the most stringent and doubtless of proof, thy actions, as thou dost consider them, would be unwise. There is no mediating body to prevent any house from taking action against those it believes has wronged them, and without inscrutable evidence to the contrary, any action taken by one house will not be countered by another, least it turn to all-out war. Most of those who, who head these households hold important positions back in Waterdeep that would be at jeopardy in those circumstances. Dost thou understand my meaning? I, I kind of, I was like, I think I do. Guys, we understand the meeting? Yes, I get it. And at that point, there is a knock on the side of the door. The door has been still left open, and it's basically the guard kind of knocking on the door jam. Your attention is drawn back there where you see a gentleman standing there. He's taken his hat off of his, his head and is kind of holding it in front of him, uh, turning it around in, in kind of a a very nervous-looking way. He is wearing what to Carlton and Travancore are very familiar clothes. And a very familiar man steps into the doorway and he says, My lord, I, I was told that I was supposed to be delivering some, some wine here. It was this a deliverer for you? And Laro stands and says... Yes, please, come on in. And he nods to the guard at the door. And as this gentleman walks in, the guard actually closes the door now for the first time. Carlton and Travancore, you recognize this man. This is, Hi, the, barkeep. this is the barkeep from the Staghorned Flagon that was serving you earlier. He looks at the two of you and gives a little bit of a nod as Carlton waves and he says... I was wondering what this this might be about because and you see he kind of backs up a little bit until he's almost standing at the his back to the door and he continues to look nervous for a second as he still talks and he's like uh, I have the order that you asked for but it's a little early I I haven't had to deliver this kind of order for a while and then he steps forward again into the room and Laros motions him to have a seat. Wait, you're, you're, you, you're, you're, you're the, the thing with the hammer and the nails? <laughs> uh, the barkeep looks at Laros, who nods a little bit. And then the barkeep sits down, puts his, puts his hat down, looks at you, Bernie, and says, well, my, my name is Derek. I've met two of your fine folks here uh, uh, yesterday, actually, and 
I was told that you might have some questions that I might have answers to. Yes, um, so this is a deep cover. A uh, cover, ma'am? I'm sorry, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just thoroughly impressed. A little bit confused. Thoroughly impressed, though. Well, I aim to please, if that's, if that's what you're asking. I have written down my question on a post-it note, and so I re- lean over and I, I show it to him. Oh, so the, uh, okay, so you're not actually going to say it out loud? Okay. No, I'm selectively mute. Okay, so you, and I'm assuming it's written in common? Yes. Okay, so he looks at your note and... Ah, for shit. for the listening audience, why don't you say what's on the note just so they know? <laughs> yes, because we're not a video <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you know, just just for our listening audience at home. I'll, it says, "Who do the Passerac family pray to?" See, it's so much better if you were to read it aloud. I'll type the rest of them in there. <laughs> well, whoever wants to read them, so he he reads this and he gives you a curious look and he says, "Uh." I don't know who all of them pray to. I do know a, a couple of them. Was there any specific Passerac you were interested in? And uh, how much would this be information be worth it to you? And Lero speaks up and says, why don't you answer any of the questions that we have and we can discuss our normal payment at, at the end? The barkeep gives him a side look and says, we'll start there, but this is definitely not the kind of questions I, I was expecting here. He looks back at you, Bernie, and he says, well, I, I believe the head of the Passerac family at this, at this moment would consider himself uh, not a religious man. Uh, I, so I'm not sure who he did used to pray to, his daughter, Olivia, I believe, actually prayed to uh, Malar, but I don't know if they've got an official place in the house. I I don't believe there's a a chapel of any sort in their household. I just believe that that is who she prays to. As for the, the cousin... With his meddling in the the magic arts, I'm unsure what he would actually be praying to. But I I could find out if you would be willing to to give me some time and a little more gold. Does that does that answer your question? I think upon his answer of Malar. Okay, roll me a religion check. I guess I should do that too, huh? Since I'm proficient in it. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think I do well. Let me see here. Uh, bu- 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 bu. yeah, I get a twelve. Okay. And Bernie, hold on. Let me pull that up. What was the cousin's name and the father's name again? Well, I he don't didn't do that say. well either. Okay. I got a thirteen. A thirteen total. Yeah. Okay. You've heard of this god, both of you. You know that Malar is a nature god of some sort, but specifics kind of evade you. You're, you don't have much more than that. I ask, uh, I think to Bucks, Bucks, do you know anything about a Malar? That is an interesting question. 
I look at Baron von Kokosnut, and it is very clear the dog knows nothing about Malar. <laughs> <laughs> the dog is happy. He's just happy to be there. It's not Maliki, so Carlton doesn't care. Wait, what? What was that, Carlton? It's not Maliki. Nature god. Who do we pray to in this family? Oh, I'm saying Bay. She's not a nature god, though. She's a life god. Jonathan, as you ask Bucks this question, Bucks basically gives you the the owl version of a shrug. Uh, as a celestial, he's got his own pantheon he works with. Right. I kind of figured. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll do we'll do some looking into into that. Um. I'm not going to use post-it notes. Sorry, Bernie. I ask our our friend here, I'm like, what can you tell us about the Passerax? Where they came? We know that they, that they came here about four or five years ago. We know that they had entered some horses that did not work out and that were different in a bad way. Do you know anything about where they came from? You said... Uh, Sir Lero said that a lot of these families have residencies and and titles in Waterdeep. Do you know anything about about if they come from Waterdeep, if they have any ties there, why they came here, what maybe they're doing to their horses, and why they would need a whole fuck ton of soft salves? Butt sex. The the barkeep <laughs> looks over at Laros and you see his eyes widen a little bit as he as he now kind of catches on to what exactly you're looking for and he says So they're an interesting family. That's that's for sure. I don't know a ton of their backstory. I do know that the head of the household, Riley Passerac, his wife died about ten years ago. She was a a warrior of some renown as far as i know and was apparently killed in battle when she was bucked from her horse now i I don't know why that would get this family interested in breeding horses exactly but i do know that it wasn't long after that that they they came into town. They have a small holding in Waterdeep. They're considered nobles, but I don't know exactly what their what their connections are in Waterdeep. I do know that they were they were pretty quick to buy up whatever land they could get when they got here. That's for certain. After that disastrous first couple of races, they've mostly kept to themselves. I'm sorry. What were some of the other questions you had? Carlton raises his hand. Yes, sir. So you you said there was the daughter Olivia. Tell me a little bit more about her. Like, what are some of her hobbies, and how would you rate her on a scale of one to ten? Oh my god! Oh my god, Carlton! No. The barkeep smiles and says, "I believe her only hobbies seem to be taking care of the day to day operations of her house. It's she's she's the one that's actually in charge. Her father is he's in charge in name only." She is, she takes after her mother, and if the stories about her mother are even half true, then she is not a woman you want to mess with. And the scale of one to ten, how would you rate her? Uh, with Yedona. one being... One being one... low, ten being pretty. Like the most beautiful girl in the ballroom. Carlton, on a scale of one to ten, what are you? Oh, I'm obviously <laughs> a seven. 
<laughs> Carlton, on a yes, scale we'll of one to ten, shut later. the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, I'd say it's it's going to depend on how much extra gold you want to pass my way. I am not here to uh, be a matchmaker, as one would You're say. You're also not here to rate women. I'm here to do whatever is asked of me. I'll rate women, yes, you were- men, anybody who cu- who is going to cross my path, who p- someone's going to pay me gold. All right. Well, we we have more important things to pay you for. Um, we also asked, uh, do you have any idea what they have done, what their breeding habits for, for are for their horses? Why they might turn out, and I describe. I, I relay the description that we've been given of that of the of the horse. If he didn't already know. Oh yeah, and as you start to describe it, he he nods and he. I, I'm very familiar. I, I was there when those happened. Uh, I know about those beasts. As far as what they're actually doing with horses, I I can't say that I've actually seen any horses at their farms very often. The ones I've seen seem to be normal horses, but as far as breeding goes, the the horses don't seem to be what they're actually working on. And he looks over at Laros again and he says, are, are you sure they're good for it? And he looks, uh, Travancore, he then looks at you and says, I, I know you were throwing around some very nice coin in my, in my inn and tavern the other day, but you're, you're asking some very pointed questions that might start to run my bill up quite a bit. What would you say? Where, where would you say we are right now? Let's not worry about that. Let's let's worry about information that such that you or you or my buddy here don't have to do any any extracurricular activities. I'm sure it'll be worth it. What I say to him is if you're looking for money, I can tell you I don't have very much, but what I do have is a particular set of skills. Okay. <laughs> and those skills could become of use of you at a certain point in time. Oh, uh, right now the only thing I'm personally interested in is gold pieces. I mean, we have that too, but I mean, look at me. All right. Uh, gold pieces can Sir, buy what Sir, pay no attention to the half orc in the corner and uh, turn all your attention to the, the man with the, the strangely big yet not magical muscles. <laughs> he He nods and says, well... I can tell you that my associates have been in very close contact with the Passerax for the last couple of years, providing them with what I can only assume is breeding stock, but it would not be horses that we are delivering to this family. The monsters that we are delivering are difficult to find, but they pay very well for all sorts of creatures. So not just one, you're you're delivering a menagerie of monsters. A fiendish folio, if you will. A magical school bus filled with little monster children going into space. Well, I wouldn't say little, and I wouldn't say space, but I would say a magical, yes, definitely the the creatures that we have manage to either ourselves or contract through those who look more like your orc friend here Hi. Uh, procure our 
the more dangerous, the more they're willing to pay. And we've had specific requests every once in a while, but mostly it is just anything that can be dangerous, that can be captured, can be delivered. And we have made a very good living taking some very dangerous creatures out of the woods nearby by offering them all sorts of creatures. See, those are skills I can give you. I can help you get creatures. Yes, that's wonderful. Have you ever given them basilisks? That was one of the few times we had an order of specific creatures. This was about seven, eight months ago, and we we were able to contract through some adventuring parties who were hidden in a direction where there was some some actual basilisk liars, and they were able to provide us not only with a couple of alive specimens, but actually even a couple of eggs. And let me tell you, the omelets made from those eggs paid a lot of money. I say, I, I look at uh, Laros, and I ask... How many basculus did we kill that night? Laros responds with, I believe you and your friends slaughtered six of them. There were another seven. three that... Was it seven? It was seven. I'm very proud of this. There were another three that came after the actual race, the horse race, that my men and I managed to, to dispatch. And Derek, the the bartender, speaks up again and says, "And and you did a very fine job. I will say, if if we had known that anything that we would be delivering onto the Passerax would be used in that manner, then well, we would have we would have thought twice about about any of our dealings with them, or we would have at least charged a lot more." I'm glad you're a man. Wait, of wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Were any of the basilisks that we fought one of the ones that you delivered? Perhaps. I don't know. I I was not actually there for the, either the delivery. I was there for the fight that happened with you, but I I I got my my fat little ass out of there as quickly as possible and he indicates his he is a uh rotund figure, not grossly obese but he he definitely is a man who talks more than works out and he indicates his figure and he says there was not going to be much of a fight in me if i stuck around so i i got out of there pretty fast we don't tag those creatures in any way so i i don't know but if i'm a betting man which i am it wouldn't surprise me to find out that they were the same creatures carlton raises his hand again Carlton, what is this pertaining to? Like, if you have eggs of a basilisk and they hatch, do they think you're mama and become, like, your pets? That's... No. No, I... No. You would have no. to ask That's, somebody no. who Carlton, actually raises those really, things, sir, not me. Sir, Mr. Man, Mr. Barkeep, Chubby Man, um, I know what he's asking, and the answer is no. I don't... Uh, I'm not sure I'd want to dismiss his question out of hand. Uh... And <sighs> I say the right things the wrong way sometimes. Well, no, no, no. Anyone Which... who's interested can roll me a nature check. Okay. Actually, I got a bonus for that. So I'll... We're not getting you a pet basilisk. No, no, no. That's not that's what he's asking. I think he's discussion. asking if they, if, imprint. They, if they imprint. If they imprint. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But behind but that, behind the knowledge that would help us to discover if they're acting on the behalf of their perceived mother is also the hope that someone will get him a pet basilisk. And the answer is no. Okay. Well- 
Well, uh, that part of the that that interpretation of the question can be summarily dismissed because ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. But I think the uh, the question in general is important. Uh, Carlton, what's what's your nature check? Seventeen nature. And Travancore? Twenty-two. And Jonathan? Nature, nature, nature. It's thirteen. And Bernie. Bernie got a nine because she's more concerned that we don't end up with a pet basilisk. <laughs> You're a little distracted at the moment. Most of you don't know. I mean, this is this is a creature that up until a couple days ago, none of you had ever encountered before. You'd heard about it to varying degrees, uh, but none of you had actually encountered Travancore. You seem to remember in your studies, you you haven't read about anyone trying to tame a basilisk, so you don't know 100%, but you do know that they're, they're pretty wild beasts, and the chances of an actual imprint would be uh, weird. You, you think you remember reading that they're raised more like lizards are, in where they're, they're kind of born already knowing all of the knowledge they need to know they're not they're not like humans or mammals and where they're taught by their parents there's there's not a lot of love in a basilisk community it's basically just a a hive of crazy monsters who can turn you to stones you you, you're not 100 percent sure but you don't think that's how it works so supposing the pasoak family we take them down right that automatically puts the Tuft family and the Anthartha family in a position of advantage. So, I mean, I look at this town, I look at these lords, I don't know that there's a good guy and a bad guy so much as a bunch of competing interests, with the exception of the people dealing with basilisks. Right. Uh, do you say that out loud? I say that out loud. I, I say that, be that as it may, if, if there is a faction that has been delivered basilisk even though that's not known and i don't know that we want to make that known but uh that delivered basilisk and then basilisk attacked the town and this family had ordered a large number of soft salves salves i mean the dots are starting to connect i'm i'm like night commander what what else do we need laros thinks for a moment looking at the the barkeep and says we, we still require hard evidence as much as this confirms many of our suspicions. This is, and you will forgive me for my bluntness, this is not a man that we can count on to speak out in public about what he knows. And Derek nods and says, oh, no offense taken. I mean, my, my job requires a fair bit of let us say, uh, nobody knowing what I'm doing, and no, if if you were to ask me in a, a more unsecure environment than this, then I would be gone very quickly. And he looks over at you, Jonathan, and he says, I know that the basilisks were sold to them. I don't know I can't say for sure that it was the basilisks that we sold to them. We do know that the Passeracs were the ones that paid to have that attack happen, but I thought they only were supposed to be attacking the riders. I did not... Listen, I was in that crowd of people 
if we thought that there was going to be an attack on that crowd, I would not have been there. Like, maybe they ordered the soft south because they were trying to make him call him mama and they kept getting stoned. Yeah. Mm. You can hear the gears mm. turning in our head. <laughs> I just don't. No, I think the soft salve is for them. It's like in Harry Potter with the dragons. What's Harry Potter? They weren't. No, I'm using this is this is like not Bernie. I just think personally is Julia that they were not trying to imprint them. If they can be imprinted, they're not going to try to imprint them. But if they have to work with basilisks all day long, then they're going to have soft I guess that's true. If they if that that is very true. If they just were working with basilisks, then for whatever reason, it still doesn't sit with me very well that that they would be doing that at all. But you're right. If if that was potentially an occupational hazard, then yeah, they they would stock up on that stuff. It wouldn't it would be less about depriving the town of those supplies as much as hey, keeping themselves keeping safe. themselves safe exactly. Yep, that's what I think. I think we have to go visit them and pretend to be carolers. Laros, one question for you. Yes. If the Passeract house were to fall, what happens to their land and holdings? That is a question I'm not sure if I have a specific answer to, is that has never happened here before. Any house that has left has have always left with selling their lands. I would imagine it would depend on how exactly they were to lose those holdings and who and what debts that house owes. If you are insinuating that there is going to be some sort of attack on the Passerax... I'm not insinuating he, anything. I'm asking a question. He looks over at uh, Derek, who has stopped looking nervous and started looking intrigued. And Lero says, I would caution against such an action because the repercussions could be more than I would be able to predict. It would be my job to hunt down those that would cause such a calamity, but I am not the head of my house. And when it comes to those major decisions, I would not be the one in charge. It would be my father. And he is not necessarily as understanding as I am. Uh, Derek leans forward, uh, kind of a sly grin on his face, and he says, So you're thinking about sneaking into the Pasarak house? I didn't say that. Did any of my friends say it? So how would I oh, do that? Oh, no! Chubby countryman! But if we were thinking about that, how would you do it? Would you just go up to the front door and, like, ring the bell and tell them it's carol singers? Just having a friendly hypothetical conversation here. I oh. would like to go caroling, just as an aside. Listen, I, I totally understand. I mean, I am only here to deliver some wine and have some good conversation with my friend, Mr. Laros, right here. And if anything that we might be talking about is, of course, inconsequential and not something that could be repeated. I'm glad we understand each other. Wait, what am I repeating? Don't repeat. Now, okay. if if we were interested in actually getting inside the Passerac house... I wouldn't be as interested in their houses. I would be in their stables, which I personally have never been inside. But I do know that when those that we contract bring their 
their wares to sell to the Passerac family. They are not delivered to the front door. They are delivered to the stables. Do you have any deliveries that need to be made? At the moment, no, unfortunately not. I, I can ask around. They certainly, unless a specific creature is requested and we are able to deliver, there's never any timetable on that kind of thing. We are just able to get a hold of something and offer it to them. Most of the time, what we can get a hold of our parts and pieces, because as you would imagine, monster hunting is kind of a dangerous thing, and capturing some of those beasts alive is sometimes not even a practical proposition, but we can often get paid even for bits and pieces. We are at their disposal the same way we are at the Tuff's disposal, and he gives a nod over to Leros, and he says, we are... Uh, we are equal opportunity employees, and we like to treat everybody with the same care and consideration. There are shades of gray in the world. As long as you're equal opportunity, one would hate to be embroiled in a lawsuit. Ah, this, this isn't water deep, my friend. We don't have to worry about things like that. For a second there, I thought you said Watergate, and I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> I... As this conversation is going on, I look at uh, uh, Sir Leros and and try and get a read on how he's reading this conversation, since we sort of said we wouldn't do exactly what we're not talking about. Uh, go ahead and roll an insight. Insight the fuck out of this. Hang on. 21. I'm good at insight, but you're great at it, so... <laughs> Okay, so you're you're specifically kind of keeping an eye on Laros through this yeah, conversation? Yeah, Okay. He is, in general, a fairly stoic man, but you don't get the sense that he's trying to hide anything. And it it's actually very obvious as you guys start to talk about the hypothetical uh, storming the castle of the Passerac family and how to get in and how to... Uh, what would happen if, say, their lands suddenly became available, you can see that he's gotten quite concerned and nervous. And none of this sits well with him. I say, I, I, I read this, and I don't, I don't say, Lord, Sir Laros is feeling uncomfortable. Let us stop. I just kind of, I look over at, at, uh, at my friends and say, Jonathan the Magimuscular feels like we, like, this probably isn't the conversation we want to have right now. And I say, Commander Laros, what other means of, of evidence gathering can we use to, to build a case here? Because that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're either trying, I guess what we're trying to do is either exonerate the Passerax as just kind of weird, or find out if they are responsible for endangering the town rather severely. I mean, it was no small feat to kill those, to kill all 10 of those basilisks. And we still lost people or the town still lost people. I, I, I get the feeling that saying we being an outsider probably isn't the way to go. <laughs> if he's bothered by that, he doesn't show it. He says, I have been troubled by these thoughts for a while. Having slightly more confirmation about 
the possibility of these deeds is troubling, but unfortunately, if finding the proof that I felt was sufficient was easy, if I had an idea about figuring that out, I would have thought of it, or one of my men would have, but we, we are frankly at a loss without threatening the tenuous peace between us. Sir Laris, let me, let me, let me, like, tell you something. We never, ever do nothing nice and easy. And we don't live here. I mean, like, Carlton sorted us. But... <laughs> I, I, I I'm sure friends it's and fine. family here. <laughs> he has friends and family ish. Um, she dumped him, but uh, we could find that proof. I mean, we wouldn't go in there and like do anything. We wouldn't want to start shit, but we might be able to like find the proof in a way that would let y all the other houses come to a collective decision as to what to do. We don't have to be your conscience. We can be your your backhanded compliment. Roll a persuasion check. I I Oh, that is one of my I that makes actually lots of sense. Like we don't have to go in there and just like kick the door open. We can just go in there and <gasps> nice! I got a 25 on nice. the fucking persuadiest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and for the audio listeners, uh, Jules is demonstrating her persuadiness dance, which very well may get demonstrated again at future RTX conventions. Stay tuned. I don't, I'm never going to remember that. <laughs> if someone brings it up. Laros considers your words for a, a long moment. And then he looks at you and says, my lady, are, I know you are a religious being. Are you a disciple of Tyr? No. I'm surprised. Have you heard the good word of Queen Bay? I have not, but if... We can have a chat. I have a few songs that you should listen to. For the first time <laughs> during this whole conversation, Laros cracks a little bit of a smile he does something other than look serious and, and cracks a little bit of a smile and, and he says i appreciate your devotion but i am i am also devoted to torm your words remind me very much of of the other hand and wait which hand uh roll a religion check the left hand of darkness somebody get that science fiction reference <laughs> I do. I'm just waiting for your religion check. Left hand of doom, My religion I think. Check. Okay. No, I think it, it, that was a 24. So I am super persuasive and religious today, and he is going to be baptized into Queen Bay tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely recognize these two gods. Torm and Tyr are essentially related deities. They're both um, deities of law and justice. Torm is more about self-sacrifice and honor. Well, Tyr is kind of more about paladins, kind of like Tyr. Tyr is interested in the delivery of vengeance. And so if Torm is the town guard protecting the people, Tyr is the warrior going out to avenge those people. And they're very closely related. It, it, it just kind of depends on, on where you lean. And he's referencing 
the fact that you want him to basically go do the tier thing to do where he's he's a protector he's not no, a, no, no. He's not we necessarily an attacker no we want to that's do what this. i'm saying he he's he, you've been espousing on going out and basically finding vengeance and so there's an appeal there but it's not his style i didn't say we would find vengeance i said we would find evidence and if no evidence exists then that's fine whatever but if evidence does exist it's everyone's to do with do you have a system of justice here is there a court system a magistrate do you have a magistrate the system of justice is sitting right there it's basically the lords do what they want unless other lords don't like it and then the other lords gang upon the other lord that's the system here isn't it people can turn other people to stone release basilisks do pretty much what they please here as long as they don't make the other lords angry that about right sir laris Uh, laris nods at you and says it that is a, a harsher way of saying it, um, but it is unfortunately true. The lords here in this small town outside of Waterdeep and far enough away to not be patrolled by those those guardsmen, there are not enough people here to warrant a governorship. Most of the law and justice is met out by the lords under their own houses. And while I would like to think that the the tufts are fair and just it is our own justice and it is certainly not met out by anyone else and he looks over at derek and he says the presence of the fixers is proof enough that our justice is not absolute nor is it capable of protecting everyone and derek laughs and he says well you know that's that's very nice of you to say, and with all this information that I've given you today, you'd make it sound like I was the bad guy here. But it it seems that you've got a problem on your hand, and I've I've just given you a lot of information that could be very helpful, and I I certainly would be more than happy to keep providing you with this information if you had any other questions or if you would like to say settle up our debts now. Well, I think that's I'm fair. Impressed. I I think we've gotten everything we can. One last question, said Columbo. Have you done any? Bi- what business have you done recently with the Amcarthra family? Oh, we don't do a lot of business with with the Amcarthras. Okay. You told them the attack was happening. Well, someone did. You saying that wasn't you? No, I'm not the. And only- I mean you, plural, the thou. Oh, well, if you mean me specific, definitely no. If you mean uh, my associates, maybe it's possible. I am, there are a lot of secrets amongst us and I would not claim to know everything. I'm not in charge. I'm, I am just a humble servant. Shadow broker operates best in the shadows. That is a surprisingly accurate statement, sir. You, you are very perceptive. In my case, I actually operate out in plain sight as as you have found out for yourself sometimes hiding in plain sight is the best way to go about hearing things also feeding lots of people lots of alcohol is a good way to gather a fair bit of information so do we get like a discount for helping you get a lot of information earlier uh, yesterday because we did supply a lot of alcohol 
in in the interest of fairness to all of my clients, I do not offer any discounts. Any information that I may gleam that you may decide to provide is Hey, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. You right now? This is very true, and I can I can respect that. And he looks over at Laros and he says, "Normally, my fee for just our normal talks is seventy five gold, but this has gone well beyond what I normally would be providing, and certainly has has delved into some topics that, if the word got out that I let you know about things, then I could be in a fair bit of trouble. So." Let's let's say one twenty five for today, and I I may be able to bring you more information if if more gold comes your way. I look at 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 my party, and I I'm I judge them. I judge their looks at that statement, guys. Now, do you um, have like an itemized like invoice of like how much it was per question? No, <laughs> this, uh, I do, this is I a criminal fucking head. conspiracy. There's no parliamentary procedure. I'm, I am sorry, sir. We are not a criminal procedure. I, we are I not was, a criminal I, organization. I, say, I, I understand. I was just quoting quoting a story I heard once. Yeah, we and no for for reasons that I've already stated. Uh, a Does paper trail would be a, a bad parliamentarian. Idea. No, we are a democratic organization. Thank you very much. No, a parliamentarian is somebody who keeps order in group meetings. No, not really. Anyway, I, I instantly regret often. saying that for a lot of reasons. So, <laughs> um, no one, no one with the fucking wire, really? Okay. Yeah, well, if you can't get Ursula Lagoon, do not expect me to get the wire. <laughs> also, okay, who enough. is Ursula Lagoon and the wire? Carlton has no idea what these things are. Okay. Uh, all right. So I judge that to be fair, and I'm like, all right, that's fine, and I will pay him, and y'all can hit me back. All right. I say, you... I say, you guys. Uh, I say, uh, thank you, and I tell Derek that uh, that I I will get him on the way out. Well, uh, okay, unless you okay, have I say, any come other... here, come here, come here. We'll take care of it. Yeah. That way, he stands, grabs his hat, holds out a palm to you, and you give him the one twenty five. Yep. All right. He. Very quickly takes it and pockets it and gives you a little a little nod and a smile and says, well, this has been a very profitable moment and I, I, I thank you and I've certainly gained a lot from this. And he looks back over, uh, he gives a glance to both Carlton and Travancore and he says, certainly if you have any other questions, you know where to find me, although I would ask that you don't make it obvious because... Obvious people end up in in trouble. We'll just order the wine that we're supposed to order if we need services that are not on the menu at the bar. I I think if you ask uh Mr Mr. Sir Com- Knight Commander Laros Tough right there, I think he can make that order for you. This is this is a regular service of mine and it won't arouse quite as much suspicion as if one of you come on in, especially considering well, that is a wine that does not exist. And he gets up and he looks at Laros and he says, "You really?" And Laros kind of shrugs and says, "Thank you again." We're right here. <laughs> he doesn't seem to care. He gives you all a smile and he goes to the door and knocks on it. It opens up and the guard lets him out. He gives you all kind of a jaunty little wave and leaves. The door closes again and after a very long moment, Laros 
I am never sure if I can read that man correctly. And while I have no reason to doubt his words, please be aware that his one of his jobs is to lie for a living. So that is one of the reasons when you were asking me about your your future actions and how much you wanted to take on his words alone. Do not trust that man. So for all I know, he's heading to the Paso Act right now with this information. I do not think we need to worry about that duplicity. Certainly, if the fixers were that untrustworthy, no one would ever come to them for anything. But that being said, I have no reason to trust him, and I am certainly the wrong person to read anyone's intent. I say, Bucks, how do you feel about uh, about tailing uh, that man over there and ma- and making sure he do- he or anyone he talks to does not talk to the Passerax? Bucks looks at a window and looks at you and looks at a window. I say, all right, go go tail him. Uh, if he if he does go to the Passerac, uh house, stay out of sight and and await him to exit and then come back. Either way, come back in two or three hours. All right, you open the window he was looking at and Bucks swoops on out and you see him spiral up into the sky a little bit. Right, not, not too right far Right before up. He, he exits my range, I say, stay safe, buddy. Also, stay secret. He's happy to stealth on into the the sky and is, is gone pretty quickly. Uh, you close the window. Laros looks a little confused, but doesn't question you. I say, wizard things. But thank you for your time today, uh, uh, Commander Laros. Uh, we will, we may call on you again with more. Uh, we may have more to discuss, but I think for now, uh, we will, I think we've got everything we need. And I look, look expectantly at the party. I think so. Yeah, that's, I'm good. You guys good? Yeah. I owe you 31.25 gold. I want to uh, give you, I'll hit I'll, you back when, uh, when I, because I I didn't know I was gonna have to buy information, and so no no we'll kinda, we'll we I kind of ponied up, up for us to have a garden. That that's fine. No no I understand. We'll 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 deal with it later. I say in the meantime, Travancore, you're this. The most dangerous stuff is gonna be on you and Bucks. Uh, oh, actually, but before I I don't I don't say that. I just say I, I we try and take our leave of uh, of of uh, the Tufts. Yeah. So as as you guys are obviously concluding your 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 business here and stand up laros stands as well and says one final thing before you leave i do understand that most of everything that was said in here is in confidence but just know if you decide to visit the passerax and things go poorly there may not be much that I can officially do. Unlike our encounter the the other night on the field with Asok M. Karthra and his men, where that was a public space and very clearly some untoward events were taking place. Were you to be accused of anything on the Passerac land, I would have very little recourse so please be 
cautious as you move forward in this. Your advice is noted. We thank you for your help. We, I say, I put my hand on, uh, on Lord Tuff's, uh, or Commander Tuff's shoulder, or like, I, I put his arm, like, you know, kind of buddy, and I'm like, you've helped us so much so far. And I understand the awkwardness of what may happen going forward. And we appreciate everything you've done so far. We will handle ourselves. We'll figure it out. Um, we would not come to you except in the absolute positive, most direst of needs. And even then, I wouldn't be surprised if we were turned away for official reasons. But like I said, we will, we will try and keep you guys uninvolved until it is absolutely necessary. That and... I will do what I can to keep to keep you as safe and as uninvolved as possible. Certainly, there is little I can do about what Derek will say, but I can absolutely keep control of myself and my men. And he holds out his hand to shake with all of you. I shake his hand first. Four-way handshake! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I, I go in on it. He's a little awkward, like he's starting to shake Travancore's hand, and then the four, the three of you are just like, yay, four-way handshake, and he, he goes to pull away from Travancore, and then he doesn't know who, and propriety has him turn to Bernie next, and as much as Bernie, you're all in on the four-person <laughs> handshake, he is intent on giving each of you a proper handshake, and it's super awkward, as now all of you are just standing there with arms out. Uh, but he shakes all of your hands and leads you back to the front door and wishes you well. And unless there's anything else you would like to ask him, you are, are led outside and back to the trail heading back towards Amphale. I'm good. Okay, so it seems like the plan right now, I mean, we're outside of his earshot now, right? Yeah, he has bid you good day. He has led you outside. Okay. You've started to walk away. The doors have closed. Let's say it's about five minutes later down the road. You're well out of your shot of, of the Tufts or any of the, the guards who patrol the grounds. So right now, the plan is that I and Bucks are apparently going to sneak into the Passeract house and hope we don't get caught and try and find something. We, that may, right? we may have to heist this out a little bit, but I think between the... Well, let's let's see what Bucks says because if Bucks reports that that they already know, we'd be sending you both into a trap. Um, right. So if Bucks, if he come, if this guy comes back clean and hasn't informed the Passerax, at least to Bucks's knowledge, then I'd say we 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 Ocean's Eleven this shit. Yeah, I know, I, I know, no one knows what that means, but that's fine. Right. Um, but we we come up with a with a. With a plan to, I, I think the priority is you guys' safety. The second priority is um, getting as much information, especially from that stable. We might actually send you in with our soft, soft salve, uh, just in case. Um, well, I already I, have a vial of it on my own. Oh, I thought we only had one for the party. I'm the one she gave it to. Okay. Okay. So you hold on to it then, yeah. and then, but but in the meantime, as as a distraction. There might be some, as Bernie said, some carol singers. Wait. I mean. Yeah. You're talking about Travancore. You're the one with the only one with the soft south? 
Yeah, she gave me the soft sell. Yeah, if you're going to sneak in, you should give it to one of us. Because if you get turned to stone, then how will we get it off of you? You will be stone. Well, more to the point, my question is, what's the end game here? Amphail seems to be a town run by a bunch of thug warlords, essentially. We take down this one. I mean, who's going to fill that vacuum? What happens? It doesn't matter. Um, Doesn't it? Mouser. They will figure that out. Um, Will they? Like, Carlton had to run away from this town five years ago because they have no law. Right. Well, I also did things I probably shouldn't have. Right. Like, punched the kid, got into a bar fight with a noble when I'm of lesser birth. So, the point is that there is a house that is potentially partied to attacks on innocent civilians. As, As much as these jerks are just that, jerks, none of them have acted in the town's to the town's detriment in so much as like a, a brazen attack on on the town the pastorax as far as we can tell are the only ones that that have done that and wasn't wait, we had on. to wasn't, deal with that wasn't assock shattering chest statues though out there well we would, he was he was being he was being um uh, opportunistic and he very we very well may come may bring him some justice too but for now for yes. right now we have we have a lead so i mean we you're right we could do nothing we could leave but i feel like i'm not leaving yeah i i feel like the town is in danger as long as the pastorax are here doing whatever the fuck they're doing out in their land all right let's intelligence is out a bit like i'm putting myself at considerable risk for people i hardly know and before we do that, I want to make sure I'm doing it for the right sneaks. But, yeah. And that you, you guys have my back. I mean, that's... I, I've got your we back. We absolutely have your back. That's why we want to do the carol butt. singers. That way, if something go, do, does go down, we are available to help. Uh, we are as close as we can can. Plus, Bucks is also taking a risk, too. And okay, Bucks is a lot less hardy than you are. True, but Bucks can always fly away. I don't have that luxury. Right, but he also... It, like if he if both of you are running, you can take an arrow. He can't. Tell you what, I I'll, I'll sneak. I'll change my appearance so I don't look as obvious. I'll make myself look like a farmhand or something. I say Carlton, and then I'll sneak around. It's my family. I I I'll understand Carlton, and I appreciate your enthusiasm. However, the best way this succeeds is if the best people are are on it. And as sneaky as you are, those two are sneakier. I mean, obviously, if you want to go, I'm not, you, I, I can't, I literally can't stop you from going. So if you, if you have your heart set on this and Bucks will be fine with it, Travancore, I'm not sure how you feel about that, but. I'll go where I'm needed, but if Travancore feels like it's not his risk to take, then I will take the risk. I don't know, Travancore, do you feel like this is not your risk to take because you don't care about these people or because you're a noble? Well, where did that come from? I was just wondering. All right. Here's the thing. We come in. We take down this family. We don't even know what's in there. I mean, this could be an accident. This could be any number of things. The evidence points there. I don't mind necessarily going in there. But if the plan is just Travancore, go in there and sneak and put yourself at risk. And there's that's it. I want to hear the rest of it. What else are we doing? Let's we are, flush it out. We are, we are attempting to gather evidence to either exonerate or prove that the Pasarak fi- fi- uh, family is responsible for attacking innocent villagers. And if I find this evidence, what happens? Do I steal it? Do I take it out? Like, then I'm accused of theft of this property. How, do- how does that work? Take notes. Um, 
actually bring if he, if Buck sees it, I see it. Right, but so, how do you test? How do you submit that as evidence? That's my. Question. I am a great wizard, and uh, my and I I'm sure I can with. I my, mean, Bernie's able to persuade Tough pretty well, so yeah, we we got a lawyer. This doesn't. <laughs> I I just don't think this seems like much of a plan. Let's flesh it out. Well, that, okay. Well, okay. Tell us. Let's tell flesh us. it out. What's your idea? What's your what idea? do you want to have happen? If your idea is to is to go or and leave this alone, that, that's did fine. I, did I say that? No, I'm waiting for you to tell me your idea, well, Trinidad As well as Bernie mentioned, I'm a noble. I'm a lord, a foreign dignitary, who has experience with uh, with these creatures. If we're able to get an invitation from the Passerax, then we're not trespassers. Then we're actually people who are welcome. If you guys are my menagerie, if they're looking for these exotic and foreign creatures, and we put out word, we're already a known commodity in the town. Right? People know who we are. People know that we're heroes. People know that I'm from foreign lands. If we're able to solicit an invitation, then anything we see or do in our testimony, that becomes admissible to the other lords. Right? Rather than trespassing. There's going to not be any carol singing. The problem, here's the problem. And I, I, I try and put this as gently as I can, considering that Travancore is my trusted companion and that he has put his life on the line for me many times. Travancore, I don't think your titles get much purchase here. Maybe in a larger community like Waterdeep, that would that is a if we were dealing in Waterdeep at at their homes there, that is a viable plan. And and please, anyone else? Uh, well, actually, speak I up. could probably do a roll to see whether that's true or not, or based on my experience. Like, what would I check against? Go ahead and roll an insight check. Okay. You're kind of thinking about your interactions with all of the people you've met in Amphail so far, weighing them against Jonathan's words and seeing if you can figure out whether your your status, whether that's true or not. I got an 11. The one time you can remember specifically putting forth your title was in the encounter with Asok Amkarthra, and while it didn't change his actions, you do remember it changed his tone just a bit, so he at least, at, at least obviously recognized your bearing and your words, whether that changed what he was going to do or not was, that was not going to happen. He's really the only one you've gone out of your way to impress upon with your title. So you're you're not quite sure about anybody else, but you can you can at least say for sure the one the one other noble that you've thrust your title at at least seemed to recognize you in name even if it didn't really matter in the long in the long run. Yeah, granted it's Asok, so he's going to do what he's going to do, but at least the title carries some weight. So we know it's not like nothing necessarily. Or was it that, that you just identified yourself as a noble and had a noble demeanor? Well, I'd that, have to do that. Well, the pro- here's the thing. I'd have to do that anyway. So what if, what if, we, we, what if we approach this? A, what, if, what if we did a little bit of both? So we, we, ob- we want, obviously, uh, uh, Bernie's carol singer idea. Is it does a couple of things. It's a distraction, and it puts it puts more of our resources available to help if there if there even is going to be a, a any sneaking. 
what if the Viceroy of Glenmar and his, and I point to Bernie and I, myself, and his, uh, and his, uh, it begins with an R. What's the word? Retainers. Ret- it's not retainers. It's retinue. Yeah. Retinue. Yes. Retinue. Retinue. Uh, wh- yeah, that's, it's a good word. I fucking can't believe I forgot it. Um, what if the Glen, the Viceroy of Glenmar arrived at the Passerac doorstep with his retainers, uh, seeking an audience because he's seen the strife of this town and he is going to the various nobles to see if he can he he has come from afar and and wants to help he wants to try and fix these these fractures and fissures that have been developing from the between these houses and and he's seen the worst of it he's seen he's seen open violence and so he is he is seeking audiences with the great lords to see if there if there's any way he can he can sort of be an impartial third party at the same time, the brigand over there uh, is, and, and a nondescript owl stumble upon the, the Passeract homestead with, without maybe being seen, and, and maybe snoop around. And obviously, as I told Sir Laros, are trying to get off the property as quickly as possible, but maybe see what else is going on that they things that they might not share with the noble what do you guys think of that uh can i'm the brigand right oh yeah okay <laughs> we don't you we don't want you any anywhere fucking near uh, <laughs> the, uh the viceroy of glenmar <laughs> so before we do that can bucks do a flyby and try to see the tallest farmhand that he has because and then i like shift into leosian and then i shift back into carlton and then I shift back into another guy, and then I shift back into Carlton. We can ask. I can Bucks. do this. Yeah, we can see. We'll see where the homestead is. Maybe we go out there and not to the homestead, but maybe like a mile or two away. And then we have Bucks do a recon flight. We yeah. then we're there. We're like again. We're there. If he gets in trouble, then then we're there to help. But all, the the goal of that mission would be to do what you said. Try and get an idea of the layout, and then try and get you a disguise. Yeah. I want to be somebody else. Okay. Guys, what do you think about this? Well, this sounds like more like playing than the last one. I'm, I, I could see myself getting on board with this, depending on what Buck comes back with. I'm fine with it. It'll be fine. Everything will be fine. No one's going to die. <laughs> I don't need to roll an inside check on that. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys have had this conversation as you've been walking back to the Eagle Shield house. Yes. You, uh, Jonathan, you told Bucks to go recon the the barkeep, uh, see what he could see, and if, uh, you know, there was any contact with the Passerax, and to come back in a couple of hours. And around lunchtime, your owl returns. I would like you to roll a perception check for bucks. 16. All right. You get kind of a fast forward motion of bucks's last few hours where he followed the barkeep back to town where the barkeep went back to the staghorn flagon. Uh, Bucks was, for obvious reasons, unable to enter the building, but he kind of circled it a couple of times and then perched on top of this giant horse statue that's in the center of the town, the great Shalarn that you guys have seen. 
It was a, a pretty good perch. He was able to see most of the center of town and keep a, a very close eye on the front of the Staghorn Flagon. And for the last couple of hours, while there have been a lot of people that have entered and left, as far as he knows, the barkeep has stayed inside the uh, the actual tavern and did not leave. Okay. And I, I relay this and I'm like, it sounds like but, uh, the, the guy came back to the tavern and if he did talk to anyone, it was inside and Bucks didn't see it. I'm like, did thanks, he, buddy. Did Bucks notice any Passerat colors walking into the bar? Uh, I, and I think that at Bucks. And with, with an image of my head of, uh, of Passerat heraldry. Do you know Passerat heraldry? Uh, we saw the horses in the races, right? No, they don't have no. horses. That's right. No, no, no. They did yeah. not have any horses in the yeah. races. I don't. Okay, I guess we don't. Or at no. least the flag you didn't recognize. Or flag you didn't recognize because all the other houses are presented, right? So by process of elimination, the Passerac house, the only one doesn't have. Yeah. Horses. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I see if I can. I, if Bucks remembers the any heraldry that went in, and if I can, like. If I can scrub through those memories, <laughs> video okay. video editing with a familiar owl, folks. Okay. So, yes, Bucks would have seen quite a few heraldries enter, some that you uh, recognize. You recognize some Ancarthra. You recognize some Tuff. Um, you recognize... I, and if I see any in my memory that I don't recognize, I try and pause or 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 slow it down and like i'm like bernie i need your pen and post-it notes right now <laughs> um so we'll say okay. for the for this for the sake of time there were a couple of her heraldries that buck saw enter and leave that you did not recognize um carlton recognized all of them so you saw m carthra salember tough Royball, ilsmer and festic all enter and leave there was also a fair number of people enter and leave who wore nothing right um some of who did seem to be not just normal townspeople seemed to be in either finer garb or maybe there were guardsmen who are off duty or not wearing any kind of obvious colors but you did see a lot of the major houses go in and out and the bar seems to be quite busy it's it's one of the few places in town that is a, a proper bar and inn so it does seem to be kind of the popular place and it was very busy over the couple of hours that he was there but you uh he did not see any heralds that carlton did not recognize and so as far as you know no one in passerac colors entered the bar okay i say i i let him know uh, and I say, I don't think any pass racks entered. And I'm like, okay, buddy, we're going to do something uh, later today. Or should we go tonight for, for recon flight alpha? Let's uh, go I think we should get this over with. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's have lunch. We'll, we'll, we'll go out to the, uh, to, like I said, about a mile out from where their homestead is. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll send bucks to, to go check it out. All right, and we will take care of that next time we get together on Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, where Recon Flight Alpha will be sent out <laughs> to see what he can see. Thanks for listening to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks or www.libshark.com. And see you next encounter. <laughs>